everybody, Matt Hardman here in the mobile studio bringing you another episode of the Race Nerd Podcast here on the home of the plethora of programming, better known as CKCC Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Ah, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, We have Las Vegas, everything that is um, transpired over the weekend at Vegas uh, from the racing to the uh, announcement uh, by Kurt Busch regarding his future, along with um, the Bubba Wallace-Kyle uh, Larson situation and the fallout from that. Um, we'll dive into that. My, my thoughts on both. Um, did I say Kyle Busch? I meant Kurt Busch. Um, my thoughts on both of those situations and um and all along with so much more uh but this week we got a pop quiz notes and this pop quiz notes actually comes from friend of the show ed ballow uh who sent me this question last night and the the question is with chase elliott and noah gregson uh, in the Cup Series and, res- and um, the Xfinity Series, respectively, uh, battling for the the Drivers' Championship in both those series. When was the last time two drivers with the same car number won the championship in the same season in both series? Um, don't mind the uh, the rumble strips. They're doing some road construction. I apologize for that. But uh, one thing I don't apologize for is this question because this I'm looking for who the drivers were and what years they were. This has happened twice in the since the advent of the what is now Xfinity Series back when this the series was known as the Budweiser Sportsman Series. So, I'm looking for the drivers uh, who have done this. (laughs) And let's put it this way, this kind of stumped me for a second because I knew part of the answer. I knew the first time that it had happened, but I wasn't 100% sure on the second. So, um, tune in for that later on in the show. All right. First thing, we want to do a little bit of house cleaning. Uh, For those of you who noticed, we are missing episode 83, which is the Talladega episode. um, I'm going to be frank with you guys and honest, uh, because I do believe in transparency when it comes to doing these shows. Uh, It is an episode that was recorded. Now, um, this isn't like one of those, I didn't like the sound or whatever. This was a great episode. It was recorded. It was this and that. Problem is, I accidentally deleted it. Uh, so instead of doing episode 83, kind of jumps over to episode 84, which was uh, last weekend's race uh, at the Roval. Now, uh, for those of you who want my thoughts on that, maybe maybe I will do. Um, I'll kind of backtrack later on. Um, but at this point, it kind of seems fruitless to go back and do an episode 83, which is why we're here. Um, 
with this episode, we're kind of getting getting caught up. I just wanted to um, apologize because, quite frankly, it was a good episode. Uh, was it, it? I had a lot of thought-provoking things, and and some of them I, I kind of touch on. It does touch on. Um, a little bit of stuff that I'll discuss in this episode involving Kurt Busch and Tyler Reddick and whatnot. <coughs> uh, so, um, with that said, we're going to move on and talk about Vegas. Alright, first off, we had um, Vegas. It, this was a, um, a race where we would um, see on the cup side would be the first of the round of eight. Um, you know, we would um, really see who would um, stick out going into the round of um, the round of you know cutting it down to the round of four for uh, Phoenix. Then uh, we had the same thing in the Xfinity series as they would run the day prior. Um, you know, there was a whole bunch of racing. We had uh, the Winchester uh, 400 up at Winchester Speedway, along with a ARCA Series West race, which um, would feature something never done in um, NASCAR Touring Series history. <laughs> we would see um, a mother and daughter compete in the same race. So, we had all that, uh, by the way, uh, if you're kind of questioning that, uh, Bridget Burgess, uh, and her mother, Sarah Burgess, competed in, in the, uh, the Arca West race. Um, both of them finished in the top 20. Um, rather impressive on the bull ring there in Las Vegas. Um, so, it's not a bad race. I actually got a see if that is on YouTube or somewhere streaming, because I'm actually kind of curious on that, just because of the, the, um, the historical significance of, of that. I mean, we've seen fathers drive against sons numerous times, the Petties uh, driven against each other, um, the Earnhardts, um, I'm not 100% sure if Dale Jarrett ever competed in the Xfinity race against his son Jason. Uh, I believe so. Not 100% sure. Um, but, they would, you know, this has been the first time that we've actually had that. It's, it's not often we have females in the field, but um, it's, you know, to have a mother and a daughter compete, it's very uh, historically um, significant. And, and this is out of the ARCA West Series, the former K&N West Series, where, where female, it, it doesn't matter on, on gender. I mean, we've seen uh, Gracie Trotter win a, uh, a West Series race. Um, Haley Deegan, who would actually make her Xfinity Series start uh, this past weekend, actually competed and won two races in the West Series. Um, one of them actually had the bull ring. So, um, so it, it's pretty significant. Um, but uh, we're gonna 
jump right in the Xfinity Series race that I talked about, Haley Deegan. Haley Deegan made her first Xfinity Series start uh, in the pristine auctioned number 07 car of SS Greenlight Racing. And um, she would finish 16th. Um, a, 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 a decent run, uh, especially for her first time in the Xfinity Series. Uh, especially on a track like Las Vegas. I th I'll be honest with you. Um, I know a lot of people were kind of have been kind of down on her after her uh, her trials and tribulations in the trucks um, the past year and a half. Um, but I think that this was a, uh, <coughs> a breath of fresh air for um, for her for Deegan and um, I think that uh, with a little time, she, you know, she can show the consistency that would be needed as she works her way up the ladder in NASCAR. So um, this is a good first step forward um, when it comes to racing uh, against a higher—I <coughs> don't want to say a higher tier of drivers, but a more challenging tier. Um, and this will definitely set up for possibly what could be a uh, spot next season uh, running full-time in the Xfinity Series for her. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was A.J. Allmendinger, Wingdinger, um, picking up the win. Ah, uh, no, I apologize. Josh Berry picking up the win uh, for Junior Motorsports. A.J. Allmendinger was last weekend. Uh, Josh Berry picks up the win in um, the Xfinity Series. He is the first of the drivers to clinch their way into the championship round. And if anybody's ever followed the story of Josh Berry, uh, this is a guy who was running late miles for Dale Jr. for quite a while. Uh, finally got his big break um, last year running a part-time schedule uh, at Junior Motorsports in the Xfinity Series in the 8 car. And um, would win at Martinsville and then win again uh, filling in for uh, teammate Michael Annette after Annette was injured in a crash last year and we drive Annette's uh, number one uh, pilot flying J Chevrolet to Victory Lane at Vegas. Um, he's got a couple more wins this season and uh, wouldn't that be a story? Uh, a true um, nose to the grindstone, you know, work your butt off to get a seat in a good ride um, story instead of uh, drivers who have kind of bought their way in through sponsorship and whatnot. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm really rooting for Josh Berry. It's kind of a, a throwback story. Um, and this was definitely good to see him win in the Harrison's um, number eight Chevrolet. So we move on to the cup race. Um, Cup race was pretty decent. Um, we would see a lot of passing, a lot of tire wear uh, on a track that is set up similar to what Texas was like, but we would not have the issues that Texas would not that plagued <coughs> the Texas race. And we would see Joey Logano um, in the number 22 Pennzoil Ford. Uh, be the first of four drivers to lock themselves into the chase. Um, 
going into the weekend, a lot of eyes were on the Fords of Ryan Blaney, Logano, um, some of the Stewart Haas cars, and uh, Joey Logano, who is out of that top eight, is only one of two drivers looking to win another championship as the other six are all vying for their first title. Uh, so uh, this is a big boost in the arm for Team Penske, a big boost in the arm for um, Ford, a big boost in the arm for that 22 team. Um, I, I think they're, they're, they're showing their consistency uh, all season, you know, they, they're not reeling off wins uh, left and right, but they are showing their consistency and certainly are the, obviously the top team at Penske right now, um, and look to uh, capitalize. Uh, so, you know, we, like I said, there was a lot of stories coming out of Vegas. I think the first one uh, that I want to tackle is the Kurt Busch story. Um, we all know uh, Kurt Busch's story so far. Uh, he was injured in a qualifying wreck at um, Pocono and um, suffered a head injury while qualifying in a wreck that really did not look hard on TV. Uh, I've seen a lot harder wrecks at Pocono where the driver is able to walk away and race again the next weekend. Um, Elliot Sadler, Steve Park, uh, Jeff Gordon had a really scary one uh, that I saw uh, in person um, going into the turn one wall. Um, he was able to walk away, but um, this incident with Kurt, you know, it, it, it sidelined him since July. And we get to Vegas, um, and he had a press conference scheduled, you know, on his plans for this year and next year. Kurt had announced that he will not be competing full-time next year. Uh, he is still not at 100% um, from the concussion that he suffered at Pocono, and that Tyler Reddick will be running the 45 car. Uh, Reddick had signed earlier in the season to run in 2024 for 2311 racing. Um, basically found himself on the outside looking in um, at RCR, where he is currently running after the signing of Kyle Busch. So, uh, Reddick will be moving on a year early uh, with Kurt not deciding not to run full-time in 2023 if he can't give it his all. Um, there was no talk of retirement other than from full-time competition. Um, sure, there will be some races uh, depending on how, his, um, how he progresses. Uh, he's not leaving the garage. And um, it, it, it's sad, it, it's sad. Um, for those of you who are, are longtime listeners going all the way back to the Politically Incorrect Racing Podcast, um, my previous show, uh, I became a Kurt Busch fan throughout the years. Um, 
I never was one to begin with. Um, I, I did appreciate that when Kirk was coming up, he was a guy who was right around my age. Um, he's only like nine, ten months older than I am. Um, so when he was coming up in the trucks and early in his cup career, I, he was a guy who I was keeping an eye on because he was going out there competing with veterans um, who were right, you know, who were much older and, you know, been around quite a while. And Kurt was this new guy, young. Uh, like I said, you know, he kind of had that youthful exuberance about him. Um, but the problem is he started rubbing people the wrong way. Uh, obviously, he, um, you know, he's had many on-track incidents. Um, you know, most notably Jimmy Spencer. He's had run in Tony Stewart, uh, Kevin Harvick throughout the years. Even his own brother Kyle Busch in the All-Star Race uh, in the late 2000s. Um, you know, and... Uh, He worked his way up um, through Roush Racing, you know, won a championship with them with his brash, cocky attitude, uh, won the first ever Nextel Cup championship, and he um, he was benched for the final two races of the 2005 season after a uh, incident in um, Arizona where he was pulled over. You know, there was talk of um, alcohol and whatnot involved, and he, um, you know, being belligerent to the police, it, it kind of created a situation. He was in a lame duck year in 2005 as he had signed to replace um, Rusty Wallace following Rusty's retirement, which already didn't quite sit well with me being a huge Rusty Wallace fan that Kurt Busch was the guy that, you know, would be the one, you know, filling in those shoes after um, the 1989 champion retired. Um, but he would have a run, a, a successful run at, um, at Penske. Uh, during his time there, he would become one of what is now only 40 drivers that have ever won races in all three of NASCAR's top three touring series. At the time he did it, I want to say it was probably there were only 20 drivers, if that, who had done it, uh, with a win at Bristol. This was the famed Bristol Snow Race where he would do Snow Angels uh, after winning the race uh, in his uniform. Uh, he would also be the guy who would push Ryan Newman to the 2008 Daytona 500 win. Uh, who could forget that, the 50th anniversary of the Daytona 500 win. And Kurt helps Ryan give Roger Penske his first ever Daytona 500 uh, title. And um, so he would go on with that. He would eventually move on to um, to the 22 car where he would have another incident that would see him released from 
Penske Racing after a run-in with uh, Jerry Punch in the season finale race in 2011. Uh, 2012, he would um, come back racing for um, for James Finch in Phoenix Racing, a, a small budget team, um, and Kurt was able to get the most out of that with a team with um, not much sponsorship, um, not much uh, big bucks deals, but was able to go out and actually have fun with this team that uh, for many years was just a part-time team being run out of uh, Finch's pocket and uh, so that was pretty cool he would run some Xfinity races during that time uh, with Finch and um, in 2013 he would leave Phoenix Racing move over to Furniture Row and give Furniture Row their first ever playoff berths uh, wouldn't give them didn't win any races that year, but give them their first ever playoff berth, um, replaced at the end of the 2013 season with Martin Truex Jr. This was after the whole um, spin gate fiasco at Richmond, where um, we would see uh, Truex basically lose his ride after Napa pulled out of Mike Waltrip Racing. Um, so, Bush would go on and run for Stuart Haas in 2014, um, up until a few years ago when he was replaced by Cole Custer. Um, and Bush's biggest thing during that time is giving, uh, winning his first Daytona 500, giving Tony Stewart his first as an owner. Uh, so, you know, there, there was a lot to that. And um, during that time period, this is also the same time period where he, that very ugly situation involving his ex-girlfriend um, Patricia Driscoll came out uh, claiming that um, Kurt had threatened her and what and whatnot of and uh, pressing charges after a race in um, Dover, Delaware, um, a domestic assault charge. Kurt would, um, would actually miss three races of the 2015, 16 season, I forget which, uh, but would miss three races of this. Um, eventually the courts found that there was not enough evidence to collaborate uh, Patricia Driscoll's claims. Um, and this all came out due to a deposition uh, involving Driscoll and her ex-husband during um, a custody battle that we all saw this and we found out that this was just a bad situation and um, I believe if you can find it there's still a politically incorrect racing podcast episode up where I talk about <coughs> the situation with Patricia Driscoll and her legal wranglings that came about after all this <coughs> so I mean we have all that and, um, and so on. So, um, with getting back to Kurt, you know, he would move on to Chip Ganassi Racing, act as a, a mentor. And during this whole time, uh, while acting as a mentor for uh, Kyle Larson and later um, Ross Chastain, he would, um, he would mature himself. 
uh, no longer with the brash, arrogant driver uh, who is the 2004 um, champion. We would see a, um, a, a total change. Uh, he would become the grizzled veteran in the garage, which was open to, um, to advice, to feedback, and all. He was just in a better place in his life. Um, after Chip Ganassi sold his team and closed up shop uh, to return to open wheel and endurance racing, uh, Chip would find himself as a teammate to Bubba Wallace, another up-and-coming driver with, uh, with um, well, let's just say, some um, little rough around the edges at times, uh, kind of being a, a mentor to him. Um, and the Denny Hamlin, Michael Jordan-owned team, uh, bringing what he had learned in the garage throughout 20-plus years. So, uh, it, it, it's sad because I've watched Kurt kind of grow up in the sport from a, a young um, 19, 20-year-old all the way up till now. Um, and, and he certainly, as a Kurt Busch detractor early on, he certainly won my respect and admiration uh, with the way he carries himself and the way he um, the way he presents himself um, and presents his team and all. Uh, no longer are we seeing incidents like we saw with his run-ins with Jimmy Spencer or Tony Stewart or uh, any of that sort. So uh, it, it's going to be a shame. Hopefully we'll see him back for a couple of races next year. Um, if he decides to do that, I'm sure uh, there's there's a lot of interest in a lot of different things. I'm sure Tony's probably, um, if he already hasn't given him a call, uh, thrown out some interest uh, in the SRX series, if he is able to. And I'm sure that's something that Kurt would enjoy. Uh, this is a guy who is a former Indy 500 Rookie of the Year um, in a one-off race with Andretti Autosport. Um, he has won rounds in the NHRA Pro Stock Competition um, in a uh, in a uh, short, you know, I think it was like one or two uh, event deal there. Uh, so you have all that. Um, very, very versatile um, when it comes to racing. So um, got all that. So, like I said, it, it, it's a shame because, in a way, we're losing part of our past with when Kirk uh, fully retires because he is the last full-time driver that was competing with uh, Dale Earnhardt on the track. Uh, so there is that. Uh, but uh, the other story coming out of Vegas, and th this, one, this one's still unfolding as NASCAR has not announced any penalties as of this recording. And this is an incident involving uh, Kyle Larson and Bob Wallace uh, during the cup race at Las Vegas um, on lap 94, as you can hear the rainfall, <coughs> on lap 94 in, in the cup race, Kyle Larson had taken a dive bomb move um, for a top, in a top 10 position. Um, going three wide in turn three with um, Kevin Harvick and Bubba Wallace. Uh, 
uh, Harvick being the meat in the sandwich would back out a little bit. Kyle Wood's car would wash up the track, taking the air off Bubba and uh, squeezing Bubba up into the wall a little bit. Um, Bubba would show his displeasure, uh, riding his car and gassing it right into um, Larson's car sending Larson's car up the track and into Christopher Bell. So three cars were torn up in this, um, what is basically a retaliatory uh, uh, situation. We would, you know, then uh, Wallace leaving the car um, as it sat crumpled up, going out and confronting and shoving around um, Larson and, um, some reports, depending on the camera view, it looked like Larson had sh shoved an official out of the way to get uh, Wallace, excuse me, Wallace had shoved the official out of the way to get to Larson. Now, I don't know where to start with this. Um, this is an ugly situation for the sport. Um, you know, years ago, I think this would have been different. I mean, we've seen drivers throw shoes, helmets, uh, heel pads. Uh, we've seen a driver walk up to another driver uh, after a wreck and punch him in the helmet. But this, this I think drew a line, uh, especially after the incident we had with William Byron and Denny Hamlin at Texas, where Byron um, intentionally spun uh, Hamlin under caution. This, um, this was at full speed. There was no caution on the track when um, Wallace did this. Um, there was no evidence um, by, by Wallace to refute this as he claimed in his um, interview after getting out of the care center. Matter of fact, he would I claim that Marty Snyder would be um, fishing for an answer involving um, involving this wreck um, after saying that he just broke apart and then came down. Um, then, then you have the incident where he got out of his car uh, without the direction of the safety crew, did not go to the ambulance, just climbed out of his car on his own volition and went over and confronted Larson. And to Larson's credit, um, he did not retaliate in any way. He just uh, got shoved. Um, I know racing in the heat of the moment, you do things, you know, whether it's a retaliatory wreck or, or, or shoving this. Um, but there... And there comes a point <coughs> where NASCAR really has to throw down the situation. Uh, we saw this at Road America in the Xfinity Series with um, Noah Gregson spinning Sage Carum and taking out multiple cars. Uh, Gregson would get a, a points penalty. I believe it was 35 points, 35 owner points, 35 driver points and a $50,000 fine. Then we would have William Byron, who was penalized 15 points for spinning um, Joey Logano under caution. And um, 
a $50,000 penalty. Eventually, NASCAR would rescind the points uh, penalty after an appeal and um, hit him with a $100,000 um, fine. Now, where that racks up with um, the penalties, this, this is certainly a penalty issue. Alright, um, you wreck a driver at full speed. And this isn't like a Matt Kenseth wrecking Joey Logano at Martinsville type deal where you're only going about 80 miles an hour. Um, this was at a track at 150 miles plus miles an hour uh, in a car where um, obviously we have two drivers that are uh, sitting out possibly the rest of the season with Kurt Busch and Alex Bowman with head injuries, uh, Cody Ware who has uh, ligament damage and tears uh, from his wreck in this, this uh, next-gen car, excuse me, it's not the COT, it's the next-gen car. But you have, you have drivers who are on the shelf right now. And to do something like that maliciously and intentionally, um, this is, it's a, it's a very serious situation. Then, um, after that, obviously, the, the shoving uh, of um, Kyle Larson and um, possibly putting your hands on the official and just, you know, getting out of your car with that AMR safety worker there. Uh, um, the, that's like a whole, those are like whole pieces of the whole when we see this penalty come out. Um, Larson to, you know, you know, apologize for making such a dive bomb move, although, uh, you know, was a foolish move. He did not 100% make contact with uh, Wallace. He just took the air off him as he was already loose and Wallace brushed the wall. I mean, it would have probably put him down a lap or two. It wouldn't have taken him out for the day. Um, but what we saw afterwards, obviously, not just ruined his day, uh, Larson's day, but it also ruined Christopher Bell's day, who Bell just advanced into the round of eight. Uh, with his win at the Roval last week. Uh, so you have, um, obviously, four possible penalties all for this whole situation. Uh, and Wallace, when asked about um, Bell being caught as collateral, collateral damage, all he had to say was sports. It's sports. Um, which I think is unfair to Bell, unfair to the 20 camp and something I never thought I'd say unfair to Joe Gibbs Racing uh, for something like this to happen. Um, I know uh, Dale Jr. has gone on record with his Dale Jr. download. Um, I actually listened to the Dirty Air part of it this morning, um, saying that uh, that there needs to be a penalty. And, and you know, obviously this is going to be magnified for the situation involving his driver, Noah Gregson, at Road America, which was like this or even the Alex Bowman one um, in the Cup Series. This needs to be a, um, a, a swift and serious penalty. Um, you know, they're figuring probably, you know, he's saying for about 50 points, um, $100,000 fine. Um, and I'll agree with those. But I think when you look at all the parts of the whole, 
and you know in the retaliatory situations that we're having right now I believe that um, those are all fine but when you look at everything involved in this the the retaliation wreck the getting out of your car without the safety crew worker there um, now that one may not be as high because well we've seen drivers get out of their car under um, you know after a wreck uh, when it comes to um, something like a um, like a fire or whatnot so I don't know how they're gonna handle that or I don't know if they're even gonna handle the fact that he may have pushed in a, 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 um, a safety worker trying to get towards um, brushed off a safety worker getting towards um, Larson I think that if you really want to send a message for this to stop especially in the playoffs especially with this car I think the 50 points possibly a hundred um, the hundred thousand dollar penalty and if NASCAR really wants to make their point um, especially after Bowman's penalty uh, Byron's penalty was overturned a one-race suspension um, I think that that will get the point across to the garage not just in the Cup Series but across all series I mean we've seen drivers uh, parked for a race uh, Jimmy Spencer um, parked for um, wrecking um, intentionally wrecking the um, Kurt Busch car back in 2003 uh, we've seen um, Kevin Harvick being wrecked, um, being suspended for wrecking Coy uh, Gibbs back in the day, Ty's father, and a truck series race. He was suspended for a cup race. And we would see, uh, those are just two, but we would see other events. Um, Robert Presley was once suspended. Um, uh, my apologies. Uh, Jack Ingram was suspended for wrecking uh, Robert Presley at a race uh, forced uh, Ingram to sit which cost him a title in the early years of the Xfinity series uh, so those are just a couple of examples and like I said if NASCAR wants to make their point and make it loud and clear especially with the safety aspect of this car in question by drivers and teams and whatnot it is paramount that they, they send the message throughout the garage and um, suspend him and now I, I know if they do obviously it's going to be on appeal um, but I think this one race suspension um, should definitely come down this will get the point across the garage I know there's a lot of bubble walls detractors and I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm one of them but i am be saying this no matter who this is. So I think that this needs to happen um, to kind of get that message across. To kind of get NASCAR being serious. I mean, we just saw the the appeal at, um, for William Byron. And NASCAR obviously is taking steps up um, with their appeal process. Um, as they've, I think the one with... Um, uh, Denny Ham, uh, the Byron incident really lit a fire under them. I know um, 
Stuart Haas has their appeal over the whole Cole Custer deal, <coughs> um, and so on and so on. Uh, so I think that this is going to be a big test with their new appeal process that they rolled out with the rule book, um, along with their penalty process where it's no longer and uh, points and or a fine, it's both points and a fine. Uh, so this is going to be a huge test. I know that Cole Custer and the 41 team, along with Mike Shiplett, are um, currently appealing their penalty from the Roval. Um, whether or not they uh, helped fabricate the the finish for Chase Briscoe to advance to the round of eight. Um, it's going to be very interesting with that one. And Cole Custer was another name that came up in the garage uh, as uh, Gene Haas had commented to Jenna Fryer on the grid um, prior to the Cup Series start that he would... Um, that he wants to keep Cole Custer in the 41 car for next year for one more year, see how he develops, see if anything changes with him uh, before releasing him. Uh, while Gene's co-owner, Tony Stewart, is pushing for uh, Ryan Priest, who is under uh, KHI management, um, you know, owned by Kevin Harvick, a good friend of Tony's and M driver for Tony at SHR in the four car, uh, clamoring for Priest to get that ride. Now Priest is the uh, standby driver that was signed for them, does uh, a lot of testing for them, um, and is affiliated with SHR and their um, their teams. Obviously he's been doing this deal with uh, David Gilliland and running in the Xfinity series for um, SS Greenlight. In, uh, Rick Ware, uh, not Rick Ware, um, BJ McLeod, I apologize, been running the, um, the BJ McLeod cars, uh, the five car, uh, in particular for a number of races as they have, uh, alliances with, uh, Stuart Haas. Uh, so this is going to be very interesting to see what happens with Custer's future, what happens with the, um, the ownership dynamic of, uh, Stuart Haas racing because Tony is only going to make a few more appearances in NASCAR because he's quite upset, obviously, with the Harvick penalty and even more so with the, um, the Custer penalties um, going on. And Tony's been very vocal of NASCAR throughout the years, and this is probably the maddest I'd seen him in a long time. Obviously, he's got other things that, that are going on. He's got his SRX series. He obviously owns Eldora, owns his... Uh, sprint car team and in the uh, sprint car all-star series along with um, his drag racing team uh, his two-car team with Matt Hagen and his wife Leah Pritchard uh, so there's a lot going on and it's only going to get more interesting as we go into Homestead for their only event this year uh, for NASCAR we got three races we got Cup Xfinity and the trucks uh, the trucks will try to shore up who their um who their final four are uh starting this weekend um xfinity on saturday and on sunday we will see um for what is i believe the ford 400 still for the uh for the cup series um then we move on to martinsville where all bets are off i think that's going to be the wild card race of the round 
Uh, last year was the infamous Alex Bowman, Denny Hamlin hack uh, race. Um, so we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes, and then obviously Phoenix as the season finale, where Chase Briscoe playing this underdog role. If he gets into that final four at Phoenix, you know we may see the 14 car as the champion. Um, not 100 percent, but um, he crept up. He's been creeping up that leaderboard in points every round, and somehow finding a way to advance. So I wouldn't put it past him. Um, but before we leave, we have our pop quiz notes for Med Ballo, and that is in 40 years of uh, the Xfinity series, only twice has a driver won the title in the Xfinity series carrying the same number on the car that the that year's title winner in the Cup series ran. Um, that has happened twice. And both times it have been with Jack Ingram, uh, the late Jack Ingram, the Hall of Famer in the Xfinity Series, and Daryl Waltrip, another NASCAR Hall of Famer, both of them carrying the number 11. Um, and they did that in 1982 and 1985. Um, I got the question half right when it was asked to me because I, I knew that it was Waltrip and Ingram. I just wasn't 100% sure on the years. I did not realize that they had done it twice. So that is your pop quiz notes. Thank you, Ed Ballow. Thank you, everybody. I'm Matt Hardman, and I will see you at the track later. Bye.